Welcome to the Life Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. Well, tonight I'm really looking forward to preaching God's Word and, and sharing and communicating with you. And right before we get started, I just want to let you know who this message is for. Uh, this message is for those who are brand new to Jesus. If you have just become a Christian and you decide your walk with Jesus, this message is for you. It's also for those who uh, I would call are mature Christians. You've been around for a long time. You've had many years of experiencing church and, and Jesus and discipleship. This message is also for you. And my prayer is that this message would also be for those of you who are walking in and you have no idea what it is I'm even talking about right now. This message is also for you. I truly do believe that what God has installed in me to share with you tonight can be a game changer if you let it can be something that shifts the way you look at life. It can be something that shifts the way you interact with life. It can be something that shifts how you outwork your purpose and your calling, if you let it. And so I would love, before I pray really quick, for us to turn to a Scripture. It's going to be up on the screens if you don't have your Bible. And uh, the Scripture is found in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4. I'm going to be reading from the NIV translation. And this is, to be honest, one of, I don't know if you're allowed to have favourite verses in the Bible. This is probably one of my favourite verses in the Bible. If you would ask me what would be one of my foundational verses that I keep coming back to, it's this one, along with many others. But this is, this is one that is very special to me. But it says this in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4 to 5. It's, it'll be up on the screens. It says, For though we live in the world, we do, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive, listen to this, we take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. The title of my message tonight is this, Intrusive Thoughts. Everyone say intrusive. Intrusive. Everyone say thoughts. Intrusive thoughts. Come on, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank You so much for the opportunity we have to gather together tonight. God, I just pray that You would step forward and that I would step back, that Your Word would be at the centre, that You would take centre stage, God, that our lives would be transformed by You tonight and by Your Word. And God, as a result, may we live a transformed life each and every single day. And everyone said, Amen. Come on, can we give the band a hand as they make their way off stage? We'll get you guys back up in just a little bit. It's good. Man, brains are weird. I'm not just saying they look weird. I'm saying they're weird, right? Like brains, some brains are weirder than other brains. You know who you're talking about. And what, what do I mean by that? It, it's, by brains, I mean our minds are strange, right? Our minds are strange things. A lot goes on in our minds that we don't even necessarily tell other people. And you ever had, like I said, my title of my message is one of those intrusive thoughts before? Does anyone know what I'm talking about? No one's brave enough yet to admit it. Okay, let me paint it out for you. All right. The intrusive thoughts are the, I wonder what would happen if I blank thought. You know the ones I'm talking about? I'm going to be really honest with you and I pray that you do not judge me for this because you know, we are all saved in Christ Jesus and redeemed and restored. Amen. But one of the intrusive thoughts I have, have you been like walking down a road and you see a cat and your thought is, man, I wonder how far I could throw that cat. <laughs> you ever had that thought? Maybe you're, sorry, maybe you're a cat person and your, your thought is, man, you see a little chihuahua or something, you know, the really annoying dogs that are running around the place. Sorry if you have a chihuahua out there, my bad. 
And you're like, man, I wonder how far I could throw that dog. Like um, I thought, I reckon I could get at least like a 10 meter throw out of a cat. That's all I'm saying. Is if you swing it around and you get enough momentum, you know, and you apply some physics to it, I've never done it, guys. Come, I'm just letting you know the intrusive thoughts coming my way. I've never done it because why? Because it's obvious that that's a bad idea, right? We've all had those intrusive thoughts, right? And it might look different to you. Maybe it's one of the things where you know you're walking past like a work colleague and they're standing with their legs crossed like this, either back towards you, and you just see the back of their knee shouting out at you, going, "Hit the back of the knee," you know? <laughs> Maybe you're just too good for that. If <laughs> that's you, awesome. But we all have intrusive thoughts that, that would jump into our brain. And reality is, is that normally we can tell that they're not the best of ideas, right? Because they're pretty dramatic and also they have a pretty obvious consequence attached to them. And so we kind of like, all right, that's not an idea I need to follow. And we kind of put that to one side. But my question tonight is, is that what do we do with the thoughts that aren't as obvious? What do we do with the intrusive thoughts that aren't as obvious, that aren't as dramatic, but appear in a form that it makes it harder for us to identify if they're healthy or unhealthy? What do we do and how do we approach that? See, the thing is, is that the landscape of our thoughts in our mind will always be our greatest battleground. The landscape of our thoughts will always be our greatest battleground. Why is this? Because your thoughts will create the lens in which you see the world. Your thoughts will actually create the lens in which you look out and interpret and see the world. And at any given point in your thoughts, according to the Word and what we see, you have three voices competing for your thoughts, right? So you have your own voice, which the Bible calls, it would use this word, the flesh, right? That simply means you as a person, your own thoughts, your own decisions, the own things that pop into your head. Then you've got God's voice through the Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit speaking to you going, hey, this is my plans I have for you. This is the desire. This is the pathway I have for you. And then according to the Word, you also have the voice of the enemy trying to be really loud and clear in your mind saying, hey, he's, his goal is to distort and distract your thoughts from God's plans, Right? So we have three voices at any given time going on in our thoughts and our challenge and our battle is to understand which one is talking to us at what time. And, and the battle is trying to go, cool, how do I steer away from the distraction and the things that distort and rather steer towards the thoughts and God's thoughts that He has for me. And that is the battle that we face every day. Remember, 2 Corinthians said right at the beginning that we do not fight as the world fights, but rather we have a power to demolish strongholds and take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ, right? This is how important thoughts are in your world. They are the foundation and the lens in which we see the world. Proverbs 23 verse 7 says this, For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Now this isn't just for the men, it's for the woman too. As a woman thinks in her heart, so is she. This is God painting a picture, right? And the word heart here, you might be going, well, Dan, that's not mine. Well, if you go back to the original Greek and the word that you use is lev, and what that means, it means heart, mind, or inner person. Right, And so what they're saying and what the, the, this writer of the proverb is saying is as you think in your mind, so you will outwork. So as you think in your mind, that is what you will have in your hand. See, thoughts are the foundation of our decisions, our, our actions and our voice. I recently built a house and learned very quickly that foundations are really important. Who would have uh, known, right? Crazy. If only there was a bunch of people who would say that all the time. 
foundations are really important. And, and the thing I really appreciated about us building our house is that we took our time in making sure our foundations were correct. That our building company we were building with made sure that they tested the soil, made sure that we went deep enough, made sure it was solid enough. Why? So that our house would not be out of alignment and would not cause disaster later on, but rather be on a firm foundation. And as a result, we were able to live in a safe home. And as a, the same thing happens in our thoughts. If your thoughts are the foundation of your life, then my question is, what does the house of your life look like currently? Do you find the structure? Do you find the building that you have in your thoughts? Is it set on a right foundation or is it slightly tainted? See, this is the greatest battleground we can ever face. See, our thoughts have the ability to turn fiction into fact. Our thoughts have the ability to turn fiction into fact. See, I was talking to my good friend Mitch Jones the other day um, about this and he came up with this great thing. He said, man, our brains are incredibly complex, but lazy as well. He said this, he said, left unchecked, your brain will, will choose efficiency over accuracy every single day of the week. Choose efficiency over accuracy. What does that mean? Well, you would know if you've done any sort of study around this, that something, a few things will pop up. One of them is this thing called self-serving bias. Self-serving bias. What is this? It's basically, let me, let me paint a picture that you all would have known before, right? You know when you're driving, and uh, you're, you're, you're driving maybe on the Southern Expressway and you have a great time and someone cuts you off, right? Your first thought is, you're a bad person. You do this all the time. This just is in your character. It's who you are. You're a bad person, right? But when you cut someone off, it's, oh, sorry, I didn't see them. I'm a lovely person, but somehow this is your fault. Or it's the, oh, but I'm in a rush. And so they need to understand, they need to extend grace to me. And what this is, it's our thoughts turning fiction into fact. It's, it's going, hey, what's the least path of resistance in my brain, in my thought patterns, and how can I latch onto that? And if we're, if we're not careful, what takes place is that our brain begins to develop a routine and a pattern of turning fiction into fact. You ever had a circumstance maybe with a loved one or a friend where maybe you were arguing or you had a fight or you know something, you just felt like something was off between them and all of a sudden you build up this massive scenario in your head about what's going on and then all of a sudden you start living as if that scenario actually happened when it never did in the first place. Why? Because your thoughts have the ability to turn fiction into fact. To turn fiction into fact. Jeremiah 17 verse nine says it this way, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. Remember, when it says heart, it's talking about your mind. It's talking about your inner person. In other words, your thoughts alone can't just be trusted. Your thoughts alone can't just be trusted. Why? Because remember, there's three voices, God, that's you, but then there's enemy and the enemy will attack your thoughts. Why? Because he knows that if he can attack your thoughts, he might just get it so that your thoughts will influence your theology. All right, and we see this all throughout the Bible. But the first place we see it is in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, right? Eve, they get, they get this, this commandment by God going, hey, don't, you can eat from anything, just don't eat from this one tree. And then Eve goes to the tree and the enemy, the devil comes and tempts her. And what does he say? He says, did God really say? What does he question? He, he challenges it with the thought of, man, let me sow this thought of doubt in your mind. And as a result, let it change what you believe God said and how you interact with Him. See, what happens if we left our thoughts unchecked is that it actually begins to distort and change our theology. 
It actually begins to change how we view God and how we interact with Him. Right? It begins to go, man, God, I don't know. I've got this hurt. I've got this pain in my life. And how can a loving God let that happen to me? See, what that is, it's not, it's not saying it's irredeemable. What it's saying is that God, you're, you are, you are uh, the, sorry, let me get this right. What it's saying is that God, you're love first before you're holy when really God is holy before He's love. And it's letting your thoughts and your feelings change your theology of understanding of who God is. And so if we're not careful, that's where we can land up. Maybe your thoughts have impacted how you view the bride of Christ being the church. You've had thoughts of better ways it can be done or maybe you've had past hurts and as a result, it's changed your theology around the church. But see, the thing is, is that our thoughts are never meant to change our theology we were meant to get an understanding in theology that changes our thoughts. Isaiah 55 verse 8 to 9 says this. This is God talking. He says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than yours. And my thoughts higher than your thoughts. See, our issue is that sometimes we value our own thoughts too highly. In a world that says, hey, what you think is your truth and your reality, that is the most unhelpful thing we can hear. Because when we pick up the Word and when we read the Word, God says, hey, your thoughts aren't my thoughts. Hey, your ways aren't my way. No, He is the epicenter. He is the perfect one. He is the holy one. And yet so often we say, yeah, but God, this is what I think about that. And we let an intrusive thought begin to build a theology in how we interact with God. And as a result, it changes how we pray, it changes how we worship, it changes how we read the Bible, it changes how we interact with people and how we serve and how we operate in our connect group. But the basis of it is so wrong because your theology should be shaping your thoughts. Your understanding of God should be shaping your thoughts. His ways are higher, His ways are greater. His thinking is higher, His thinking is greater. And so all of us, every single person in this room, no matter who you are, whether you're a brand new Christian or you've been a Christian for many years, we're all in the same boat of needing to submit our thoughts to His thoughts. Let's not get caught in the trap of valuing our thoughts too highly. Again, this intrusive thought that says your way of thinking is the right way of thinking. No, no, no. Your way of thinking isn't the right way of thinking. God's way of thinking is the right way of thinking. And we are all on a journey of submitting and surrendering and adapting and aligning to His thoughts, not our own. His thoughts, not our own. Don't let your thoughts shape your theology, but instead let your theology shape your thoughts. Let me put it this way. When you're feeling worthless, know Jesus died for you. When you're feeling anxious, know that He is your Prince of Peace. When you're feeling overwhelmed, know that He is your champion. When you're feeling disappointed, know that He is your hope. When you're feeling tempted, know that He is your strength. When you're feeling discouraged, know that He is your courage. When you're feeling heartbroken, know He is your healer. When you're feeling confused, know He brings clarity. And when you're feeling out of control, know He's in control. See, what happens is that the thoughts and the feelings are, I'm out of control. But guess what? I know my God is in control. So I will take captive of these thoughts and I'll bring them into alignment to God's thoughts and His Word and His plan. No matter where you find yourself, this applies to us. Romans 12 verse 2 says this, Don't copy the behaviour and the customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You know how many people I sit with and they go, I don't know what God has called me to. 
They say, I don't know what God has called me to or what He has for me. I'm just so confused. What's my next step? Guess what your next step is? Allowing God to change the way you think. Because it's what Romans 12 says. This is in my opinion. This is the Word of God. It literally says that, hey, when you allow yourself to be transformed by allowing God to change the way you think, then His plan for you will be revealed. We're too busy trying to find the plan that we don't surrender our thoughts. We're too busy trying to find the pathway that we don't surrender our thought life. See, God has transformation for you, but transformation needs a change of thinking. And I've got three points on how we can help our thinking change. And they're really quite practical, to be honest. But I don't apologise for that because I believe we should be able to put the Word of God into practice. And if we can't put the Word of God into practice, then what are we doing here, right? The whole point of the church is to equip the saints, the Bible says, right? So we're going, I'm about to give you something, but if you do nothing with it, that's on me, that's on you. Just want to say that, all right? Just going to say it. Just so we're all on the same page here. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> First point is this. How do we change the way we think? Number one, you look up. I'm surprised no one actually looked up there for a second. I was like, oh, it worked. No, sorry. And what I actually mean by this is not look physically up, even though that's good. You know, it, it does a posture where you look towards God and you give them the right position and the right posture. But what I'm talking about is actually look up the Word of God. If you want to know where your thoughts don't align with God's thoughts, find out what His thoughts are. How do you find out what His thoughts are? You pick up your Bible and you read it and you engage with it and you study it. You know, I would say in this day and age at the moment, we have a lot of Christians who are full of passion, but nowhere near as full as the Word as they should be. They've heard verses spoken about on a Sunday, but they haven't studied them midweek. And so they don't actually know them. But if we want to allow God to change our thoughts, guess what we have to do? We have to look up the Word. We have to open up the Bible and realise what it says. In, in Philippians 4 verse 8 to 9, it says this, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, on what is honourable, on what is right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learn and receive from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then God will be at peace with you. What are you fixing your thoughts on? What are you thinking about? If I were to take your thoughts and divide them into a pie chart, what would the spread be? What are you fixing your thoughts on? Because the Bible says, not my opinion, the Word of God says fix your thoughts on things that are right and honourable. How do you know what is right and honourable and in line with God? You have to look it up in the Word. You have to understand what it says. You have to know what the promises of God are for you. You have to know and understand what the identity in Christ means for you. You have to know and understand that He has not called you to live in insecurity, but security. You have to know that He's called you to live in a complete healing, which may not result in physical healing here on earth, but it results in a soul and a spiritual healing that can be unmatched by this world. You have to know these things and remind yourself. Why? Because left to our own devices, we choose efficiency over accuracy. We choose woe is me over man, God is good. And I don't want to belittle anything that anyone's going through. Please hear my heart. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just trying to point to a greater hope, a greater purpose and a greater way to walk through what you're walking through. We've got to look it up. 
My question is the thing you're facing right now, when was the last time you went and looked at what the Bible actually says about it? Or do you just want to go talk to everyone about their opinion on how you outwork it? You come and meet with Pastor Danny, he's going to tell you just what the Bible says. So instead of trying to create a point, just go to what the Bible says. <laughs> and yes, you've got to talk, but your first response should be to go to God. For He is the one who will help you. Your first response should always be to go to God, to go to His Word. And yes, then go take that and take it to others and go, man, I don't quite understand this or how do I implement this? Or man, God spoke to me about this in His Word. All of which are great conversations, but they all start with you going to look it up. So how do you change your thoughts? You gotta look it up. You gotta look up. Number two, as the band comes, you gotta show up. What do I mean by this? You gotta make a pre-decision. Keep showing up and keep sticking to it. I'm not just talking about, I'm not talking about church service here, by the way. Although that is, I think, something that you should keep showing up to. Because the Bible is actually very clear that it's part of God's plan. That His bride is the only thing He's coming back for. Right? And people go, oh yeah, but the relationship with Jesus is enough. Yeah, but even Jesus went to the synagogue. Even Jesus went and ministered. And even Jesus went and served. And so did Paul. And so did Peter. And so did all the apostles in the Bible. So if you want to play that argument, I would say go back to point number one and go look it up. All right? Point number two. Show up though, keep showing up, keep showing up with people. You want to change the way you think? Keep engaging with the people that actually challenge the way you think. Don't hide from them. Don't choose efficient, choose accurate. Come on, actually go, no, I'm going to engage with these people who challenge and point out my blind spots so I can actually keep showing up. Keep showing up in prayer. Keep showing up in devotion. Keep showing up. Make the pre-decision that I'm not going to quit. I recently this year decided that I need to get my health back on track and it's been a wrestle and it's, been a, and it's been a fight to get there and I'm getting there slowly but surely. But at the beginning of the year, I was like, man, I had to make a pre-decision because I know when that alarm clock goes off at 5.30 a.m. in the morning, I do not want to get up. I don't want to get up. No one goes, yeah, I really want to get up at 5.30 a.m. No one does. You might have the routine because you understand what the discipline will end up in resulting, but you don't want to. You know, for the first like three months, every time that alarm went off, there was a massive wrestle that went on in my head. Oh, I could just say I slept through the alarm. <laughs> Anyone really notice? But I had made a pre-decision. I will get to the gym. And what I ended up doing is not making about the 10 decisions that came after. It's the, no, I will get up. And as soon as I got up, it was, I will get in the car. As soon as I got in the car, it's, you will drive to the gym. <laughs> As soon as I go to the gym, it's like, you'll get out the car. <laughs> and then slowly but surely, that muscle became stronger and stronger. But I made a choice, a pre-decision to keep showing up. So you don't always feel like it, but you've got to make a choice. Do you want to live on what you want now or what you want most? What do you want to live at? What are your thoughts saying? Because your thoughts will come and say, hey, this is what you want now though. You know, every time I have to drive home, I live in Salisbury East, which means I drive down Main North Road and right now they just opened up a KFC on, on the way home and it is the most tempting thing I've ever experienced in my life. Every single day I drive home from work and after church I have to drive past a KFC. <laughs> and it's tempting, but I made a pre-decision that holds me when a temptation comes to go and indulge in a food that I know isn't good for me. I made a pre-decision. So you stick to it. You gotta keep showing up. Keep showing up. My last point is this. Fill up. 
I sit with a lot of people and talk about their thoughts and how they want to get rid of their thoughts, how they want to get rid of their struggles. But the problem with that is this, is that if I tell you not to think of a car, what do you think of? You think of a car, right? And the issue is, is that we have so many people so focused on what they don't want to do, they end up focusing on it, which means they end up doing it because they're looking at it. But it's not just about what you get rid of, it's about what you fill up with. Ephesians 4 verse 21 to 24 says this, Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from Him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupt by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes, put on your new nature created by God, truly righteous and holy. I've got a really easy way to show this to you guys and thought we'd have a bit of fun with it as well right before we worship. That's right, I have an illustration. Watch out. I'm getting a call right now. I just felt my Apple Watch go crazy. Oh, decline. Anyways. <laughs> this glass represents us, me and you. Represents our life, represents our thoughts, represents the way they're meant to live. And it represents a clarity that God wants to give you, that He wants you to walk in. That's what it represents, right? This is a little bit of dye. And this represents the intrusive thoughts. And what happens if we don't catch an intrusive thought in infancy, it might just be a little drop. Two drops. But if we don't catch those thoughts in infancy, they become really hard to handle in maturity. And all of a sudden, we found our ourselves, our lives, our thoughts, tainted, distorted, changed. And if I were to tell you, remove the blue dye from this, remove the two drops, remove them. It would become so overwhelming because you we can't do that. That's not how that works, Dan. They are intertwined. They are all connected. And as a result, it's seeped into every area of the life. So it's not about removing, but instead it's about adding. Because if all you do is focus on removing, you're not gonna get it there. You're gonna land empty. Because if you try and pour that out, guess what? You become empty. You become dry, you don't know what's going on. And yet what the Bible says is it says that we are to allow the Holy Spirit to renew our minds, which in this case looks like this. This is the presence of God. This is what the presence of God represents. And instead of trying to remove just those true, couple of intrusive thoughts that we can't do by ourselves, that we weren't able to stop, that have seemed to make their way into our whole life. Instead of focusing on trying to remove them, what we really need to focus on is allowing the Holy Spirit, the presence of God to begin to come and fill up. And it's not gonna feel like much at the start, but as we keep positioning ourselves and as He keeps outpouring, what happens, it begins to dilute. 
And all of a sudden, those intrusive thoughts that seemed overpowering, that seemed like they were too much, that seemed like we couldn't get rid of them, all of a sudden there is a clarity. Why? Not because we decided to remove, but because we decided to fill up with the right thing. So what does your cup look like right now? What does your cup look like? What's your thought pattern? And there's a God's thought pattern. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We trust that you're encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life and we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at our Adelaide campus. If you'd like to know more about Life, then visit our website at lifeadelaide.org or download the Life Adelaide app and stay connected.